Hello, and welcome back to Tasteful History. I'm Sasha, and today I'm going to be talking about Queen Joan I of Navarre. I know I just talked about a Queen of Navarre last week, but I'm going to be talking about Joan again because I just really like the Queens of Navarre, and you rarely hear of a woman who was able to rule a kingdom in her own right in the Middle Ages, and Joan was able to do that. Queen Matilda lost her crown in England, and there were like 20 years of civil war, and then there was Uraca of Castile and Leon, whose ex-husband was occupying her lands. But the only one of the only women who I've ever heard of who can actually keep her kingdom in the Middle Ages was Queen Joan I of Navarre. So without further ado, here is Queen Joan I of Navarre. Joan, and it's Jean in French, was born on January 14th, 1273. She had an older brother named Theobald, and Theobald was about to marry the daughter of the King of Castile before he died when he was like three in a very unusual way. He literally fell out of a window. This family is very crazy and they have very weird methods of dying, so prepare yourselves. And yes, this was the time where there were four Christian kingdoms in what is today Spain, and they were Castile, Leon, Aragon, and Navarre. And there were also Muslim kingdoms to the south, as well as a tiny rising power that we call Portugal. As there was no Spain, the proper term is the Iberian Peninsula to talk about the whole area in general, I guess. You can't exactly call it Spain, but that's what I'm going to be calling it. So Joan's father, King Henry I of Navarre, was fat. Like, really fat. So fat that his nickname was literally Henry the Fat. So Henry the Fat succeeded his brother, King Theobald II, to become King of Navarre, the Count of Champagne, and Brie. And he was not Count of the Cheese. The Cheese is actually named after the place. The place isn't named after the cheese. So, of course, Champagne and Brie are in present-day France, while Navarre was quite close to France, and it's actually because of Joan that Navarre will end up being ruled by France for a little bit. So, Joan's mother, Blanche of Artois, was the only daughter of the Count of Artois, which was in France, so our little Joan is very French. So, let's look at Joan's father for a moment. As I mentioned, he was very fat. So fat that his fat literally suffocated him, and his own fat killed him in 1274. You don't want to end up like Henry the Fat, so why not stop eating that junk in your pantry? I know I will. In the one portrait that I found of him, he looked kind of fat, but not that fat. The portraits likely would have downplayed his fatness, so I think it's safe to say that Henry the Fat deserved to be called Henry the Fat. 
Anyway, Joan's father was dead, and so was her only brother. Like, the option of her brother was literally out the window because he fell out the window. So, Joan was her father's only remaining legitimate child. And that meant that Joan got to be Queen of Navarre. Amazing, right? Well, no. Joan was literally one year old. You can't expect Joan to be, like, ruling or anything right now. She's a year old. Her mother, Blanche of Artois, who was around 20 years old at the time, became her regent. And a lot of women became regents by that point, and throughout history they were always good regents, but barely any women had ever ruled in their own right, and even though there was no law against it in Navarre, the neighboring kingdoms would definitely sense weakness and attack because there was a woman on the throne. There were about two sensible ways for the neighboring rulers to take control of Navarre. So they could do a very disgusting thing and marry the one-year-old Joan and take over, or they could just go ahead and conquer Navarre because why do they need her? And there were always quite a few people who had always wanted Navarre and had been waiting for an opportunity as simply amazing as this one to go and grab Navarre. So I mentioned that Joan's brother Theobald, the one who fell out the window, was about to marry the King of Castile's daughter before he fell out the window. Well, that same King of Castile, Alfonso X, decided to attack Navarre. And I don't know why, but I think I've heard of it, like a lot of royals falling out of windows. Is this something that royals in history just do? Do they just fall out of windows? Is this a curse or something? Anyways, Alfonso X of Castile attacked Navarre. The King of Aragon, on the other hand, Peter III, decided to do the disgusting thing and was thinking about marrying Joan himself, or he would marry one of her relatives, which is a lot less disgusting, but anyways. Even though the King of Aragon, Peter III, wanted to marry Joan or a relative, Navarre was still under attack from Alfonso X of Castile. Maybe this all wouldn't have happened if Theobald hadn't fallen out a window. So Alfonso X of Aragon laid siege to Vallejana, I think that's how you say it, which is an important city in Navarre. And the inhabitants of the city refused to surrender and they were rewarded generously by Blanche of Artois for their loyalty. But Blanche knew very well that Navarre was not safe and that it was the 1200s and a female ruler would never be seen as anything but a weakness and a perfect time to invade. So taking Joan with her, Blanche of Artois ran away to France and they just ran away to France together. We don't even know if Blanche and Joan spent any time in Navarre while Joan was a child, so that's kinda... It's a little weird in a way that Joan never spent much time in Navarre and after going to France she would never come back. So it's kinda weird. And also everybody always loved her, so that is quite weird to me. But anyways, 
Blanche of Artois would need some alliances if she wanted to keep her daughter on the throne, and if she wanted to stay regent, she definitely would need some alliances, some people supporting her, because she knew she couldn't do this on her own. So she betrothed the, like, what, like, three-year-old Joan at this point to a couple of different old men. So Joan was, like, two, but that do that doesn't really matter, does it? Blanche was just trying to keep her head. Since Joan and Blanche had fed, fled to France, they were at the court of the King of France, who was King Philip III. And Philip was like, hey Blanche, what are you doing trying to betroth your daughter to all those weird old men? That's a very nice Navarre you've got there, mind if we share? And that's when Blanche had her aha moment. If she could just betroth Joan to Philip III's eldest son, Louis, then all her problems would be solved, and luckily for her, King Philip III was completely okay with that because he liked Navarre too. And on top of all that, her daughter would be safe and could keep her throne if she was married to a French royal. It would be quite easy for her to keep her throne. So Philip III, the King of France, was pretty excited about this since... Joan would actually rule jointly with her son after they both reached majority, which meant, you guessed it, new territory for France, so Philip III obviously was pretty happy about this whole let's get our baby children married thing, even though it's weird, but at least he's not an old man. So one-year-old Joan and her new almost sorta maybe probably possibly definitely future husband were not going to go live together and consummate their marriage because they were literally babies. And it would be absolutely disgusting if that happened. So people in the 13th century weren't that weird. Blanche and Philip III signed the Treaty of Orléans and Joan was betrothed to Philip III's oldest son, Louis. And what did that mean? That meant that Philip, who was Joan's almost sorta probably maybe possibly definitely future father-in-law, was now Joan's regent. And what else did this mean? That meant that Blanche of Artois was free to remarry. If Blanche had remarried while she was still being Joan's regent and stuff, there was a pretty high chance that her husband would take over as regent. So Blanche decided to get remarried now, and guess who she married? She married the brother of Edward I of England named Edmund Crouchback. Because yes, there were two brothers named Edmund and Edward, apparently this used to be, and maybe still is, an acceptable arrangement, but even if it was acceptable, it's confusing. Meanwhile, Jones almost sort of probably maybe possibly definitely future husband Louis died. And that was like, oh no, I'm gonna lose Navarre. And then Philip is like, oh no, my son is dead. I can't keep Navarre. I can't have this amazing alliance and I'm never going to be able to rule Navarre again. Then he's like, he gets this really amazing idea and he's like check the nursery see if there's any more and just like that joan was now betrothed to philip iii's next son who was also named philip because that is totally not confusing at all but plot twist this time joan actually marries the younger philip 
And then Philip III, the old guy Philip, who was the king of France, drops dead. Which is even better for us because we don't have to be confused anymore. So Joan was already Queen Regnant of Navarre, Countess Regnant of Champagne, and Queen of France, which was the new title she just got. So that is amazing for her, and her husband is already like King Consort of Navarre and Count Consort, I wonder if that's a thing, of Champagne, and he's King of France in his own right, so great for both of them ruling all that stuff. So anyways, Joan's not one year old anymore, she's 11. And just don't expect her to consummate her marriage yet because she's still just 11 and that's disgusting and her marriage to Philip actually wouldn't be consummated for a few years because no. But we know that it was consummated fairly quickly because their first child was born in 1288 when Joan was about 14, which is still ill, but anyways, the baby was a daughter named Margaret, who died a few years later. So Joan, Queen of France and Navarre, and Countess of Champagne, was actually, according to Wikipedia, very plump and plain, which is what she looked like, and her husband Philip IV was known as Philip the Handsome. But the thing is, because Joan had become Queen of Navarre when she was like one year old, she was definitely educated for the role because she was already in the role. So she was very well educated and very smart, so she Philip still liked her a lot. And she and Philip were very close since they'd pretty much grown up together and that meant, and this is literally something nobody could have guessed, that Joan had an actually happy marriage, so great for her. And Joan had a total of seven children over the next, what, 20 years? Margaret, her first child, who died in childhood, and then Louis, the future king of France and Navarre, and then Blanche, who died in childhood, Philip, the future king of France and Navarre, because yes, Louis died, Charles, the future king of France and Navarre, because yes, Philip died, and Isabella, the she-wolf of France, who became Queen of England and had an affair with Roger Mortimer and overthrew her husband with that Roger Mortimer guy. And yeah, that's a very good story. So anyways, she had another son named Robert who died in childhood. And Philip really did like Joan, who started getting involved in politics more. And Philip even gave Joan the position of I think it's prospective regent for their son if he died while their son was still a minor. Joan, the Queen of Navarre, never actually went back to Navarre, and she never really did much ruling from France. She It was actually more her husband who was ruling Navarre, and Joan was just letting him, and the French were kind of occupying Navarre, and Everybody just had to assume that Joan was letting them. Still though, Joan was always very popular in Navarre, and everybody actually blamed Philip for not letting her come to Navarre or anything like that. And yeah. And before Joan had actually married Philip, her father-in-law, also Philip, had sent governors to rule for her since she was like two years old. So, 
it was just that way for the whole time that Joan was ruling, because after his death, those governors were sent by her husband, Philip, and everybody just had to assume that Joan was okay with other people ruling her country. Joan actually never visited Navarre after, well, after she and Blanche of Artois ran away, but we don't even know if she ever went to Navarre in her whole life, so yeah. But as Countess of Champagne, Joan was much more involved in the governing of the country. She would visit it often because it was in France, so it was pretty close. So she visited it all the time, unlike with Navarre. And Joan's husband, she he let her just rule Champagne however she liked it. So he pretty much left her alone when he came when it came to that. So there was this guy named Count Henry III of Bar who sort of decided to invade Champagne, and even though Philip didn't do anything about it, Joan just took matters into her own hands and raised an army against him. She was amazing, it's no doubt she was a very popular ruler. And by now, we know that you should definitely not make Joan angry, but guess what? There was a guy who had not learned his lesson. This guy was the Bishop of Troyes, who was allegedly stealing funds from Champagne. And just before her death, Joan founded the College of Navarre and then died, and while she was dying, she was sort of like hating the Bishop of Troyes guy, and yeah, that kind of stuff. And she was probably, I think, getting him to, trying to get him imprisoned or something for stealing friends from Champagne. But we don't know exactly how Joan died. Plot twist. She had been ill for a while and allegedly she died in childbirth on April 2nd, 1305 at the age of just 32. But the thing is, she only allegedly died in childbirth. And people suspected that the Bishop of Troyes, the one who was stealing funds and the one who Joan was attempting to prosecute at the time of her death, had killed her with witchcraft. And he actually ended up imprisoned for that, which is quite funny. Never mess with Joan. Just remember that. Philip outlived Joan by nine years and never remarried. He died in 1314, and he left the throne to their eldest son, who had, nine years earlier, inherited the throne of Navarre from his mother, named Louis X. And Navarre would be ruled by Louis until his death, after which his daughter and his daughter was his only child, and Navarre had no Salic law, meaning that a woman could inherit the throne in France if there were no sons, so his daughter, Joan II, inherited the throne of only Navarre, but the thing was that France did have Salic law, so she couldn't inherit the throne of France. The throne of France instead went to Louis's son named John the Posthumous, which mean, which he was given the name John the Posthumous because he was born after Louis X's death. The thing was, he only lived, John the Posthumous only lived for five days and was the youngest person who became king of France. 
And for the five days that he lived and ruled as King of France, his uncle Philip the Tall of France was his regent. And after John the Posthumous's death, his uncle Philip the Tall became the King of France. He became King Philip V. So that is pretty much it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next time. Oh, and one more detail. Remember how I mentioned Joan II of Navarre? Joan II's descendants were the House of Bourbon, who ended up becoming France's ruling house nearly 300 years after Joan's death. So, even though Joan was not allowed to inherit the throne of France, her descendants ended up inheriting it, so good for them. And that is the end of the episode, so goodbye.